The following is a Cryptocurrency Wire audio production. Cryptocurrency Wire is one of 50 plus trusted brands from the Investor Brand Network, IBN. As a multifaceted financial news and publishing company, Investor Brand Network uses its network of more than 5,000 key distribution outlets, as well as other corporate communication tools, to introduce public and private companies to a wide audience of investors, consumers, journalists, and the general public. Our reputation for highly efficient communication strategies is based on the experience and relationships our team has in the space. It is Investor Brand Network's unwavering commitment to connect the investment community with companies that have great potential and a strong dedication to building shareholder value. The following interview may feature a client partner of Investor Brand Network. Investor Brand Network may have been compensated for the production of this interview. Please be sure to read our entire disclaimer for full disclosure. Hi, Anthony. How's your week going so far? Well, I, I'm, in, I'm in sunny California, Southern California this uh, week. Unfortunately, it's warmer in New York. So, uh, you know, we're, we're bringing some of the legacy luck factors of 2020 into 2021, which is fun. Sure. Well, let me just say it's an honor to have you on our show. In addition to streaming this episode on Crypto News Audio, we'll be syndicating content to thousands of news outlets and financial portals with audiences that may not be all that familiar with crypto or your background. So let's start with learning just a little bit about you and Skybridge. I was listening to your podcast with Peter McCormick just prior to the show and had to say, um, you know, what you've accomplished is nothing short of amazing. Well, no, it's sweet of you to say that, Jonathan. Uh, but, you know, we both live here in America. So if you keep working and you put your shoulder to the grindstone, a lot of good things can happen. And so I'm the product of a blue collar neighborhood. My parents, uh, very good people, but neither one of them went to college. And my dad spent 42 years as a crane operator. And, uh, you know, listen, it was a great middle class upbringing. I got very lucky uh, being part of a great public school system out on Long Island. I went to Tufts University, a small college in Boston or outside of Boston. And then I was uh, at Harvard Law School for a few years after that. Graduated from Harvard Law School in 1989, went to work at Goldman, seven years there. I started my first business at the age of 32, sold it at 37. And then I worked for what was eventually Lehman Brothers. So the firm that bought my firm, Newberger Berman, was acquired by Lehman Brothers in 2003. So I worked at Lehman Brothers for a few years and then left to uh, create Skybridge Capital in March of 2005. So less my 11 day disastrous experience in Washington, I have been at Skybridge Capital for the last 16 plus years. And uh, we've had very good performance, thank God. Two difficult periods, one was March of 2020 a recent uh, difficulty, and one was the 2008 financial crisis. But, you know, by and large, if people hung with us, uh, the stuff that we, we own came roaring back. Uh, and we decided back in October, after doing an extensive amount of research, that we were going to enter the crypto space. And we were going to specifically focus in the beginning on Bitcoin. But we're also now about to launch an Ethereum fund as well. And then we've got a few other exciting things coming which unfortunately I'm in the quiet period with the SEC, so I can't talk about it right at this moment, but we'll be doing things related to crypto and digital asset infrastructure 
as well as some of these currencies. So uh, it's an exciting time, uh, despite the fact that Elon Musk set fire to the uh, crypto space last week. Uh, no problem there. Uh, if you actually think about it, when he came into the coins, the coins were about 39,000 on Bitcoin. Uh, and so they're still trading higher than when he made these comments. So it's been an interesting meteoric rise, and I think it will continue with lots of volatility. Gotcha. Let's go back to the beginning. How did Skybridge Capital come to fruition? Well, it was my idea. I was at, I was at Lehman Brothers, uh, like the firm. They were doing well at that time. They went on to become the largest bankruptcy in history. But at that time, 2003, four, they were doing quite well. I went to my boss, explained to them that I was an entrepreneur and I had just fulfilled my employment contract pursuant to the merger that we did. And I asked them basically for permission to leave and they granted me that permission. Uh, they actually gave me balance sheet capital. And so I went to Michael Dell and a few others and we launched Skybridge. Uh, the original fund was $330 million. Uh, we did an add-on fund in 2008. And then I did something even more transformative in 2010, where I bought Citibank's uh, fund of funds business and their hedge fund seeding business. And so, you know, it was a brainchild of mine, uh, born from corporate boredom, if I'm being totally candid. I had worked at Goldman successfully, I had the exhilaration and the adrenaline rush of starting my own business. And I was back at a big corporation and not that the corporation wasn't a great company or anything like that. I thought it was and probably shouldn't have gone bankrupt, but for those financial difficulties in 2008, uh, many other companies got bailed out for whatever reason they decided not to bail out Lehman Brothers. Um, but I'm glad I left. Uh, I was able to uh, get that business started in 05. We faced difficulties in 2008, which we recovered from. And here we are in 2021 with about $9 billion of assets and about $700 million in assets across our fund line in, in Bitcoin. So what made you decide to add crypto into its own fund? Well, you know, listen, I mean, it was an extensive amount of research. I can tell you this, when I left Washington, when I was unceremoniously fired from the White House, I went home and the first thing I did was register the URL skybridgebitcoin.com. And the reason I did that was my experience in Washington led me to believe that the US dollar would eventually be digitized. Obviously we, we heard notions even back then four plus years ago that the Chinese currency, the renminbi, uh, the, the yuan, if you will, was going to be digitized and Bitcoin at that point was accelerating the bubble had popped at 20,000. It was heading back down to 3,000. I think it was 11 or 12,000 when I was looking at it. And I said, okay, we're going to do an extensive amount of research on this because I do believe this is going to be a big part of our future. I wasn't ready to make the investment because I'm an institutionalist. And I want to just explain that quickly, Jonathan. I manage money for high net worth individuals and institutions. And some of the people I manage money for are so rich that we call them individuals. So they're the size and scale of an institution, but they make decisions like individuals. But all of them are 
old fashioned, all of them think about process and diligence in investing. And so it required us to get very comfortable. And I, I said in my notes from 2017, if three things happened to Bitcoin, I would become an investor and I would build a Bitcoin product. And the following three things, number one, it would continue to scale. Uh, I, I, I had arbitrarily picked the number 100 million users. I think we're well over that now. Number two was regulation. How would the government deal with Bitcoin and other digital assets related to regulation? I believe, and we can talk about this, that the government has been roughly benign in the United States. It's being taxed as an intangible. We are trading it here. I would like to see more trading. I'd like to see more organized regulation around it in the United States so that we can bring some of these exchanges that are located in Singapore and Hong Kong to the United States and create jobs here. Uh, but more or less, the regulation has been benign. And then the third thing, which was equally important to the other two, was the storage. Were we going to be able to find a vehicle where we could store hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin and not have to worry that our keys were going to be stolen, or our passwords taken, or we were going to be hacked. And so we're storing our Bitcoin at Fidelity, uh, which is one of the largest asset managers in the world. And they have this great facility up there. They've got a layer of insurance from Lloyd's of London. And so once those three criteria were met, uh, which was sort of the third quarter of last year, we embarked upon the originating of the documents and getting our clients invested. And now, we have some in our core funds, but we also have, as you just mentioned, a Skybridge Bitcoin fund, which I hope to turn into an ETF. So it's a private fund right now. It's the only way we could do it uh, in terms of the regulatory rubric in the United States, but we've applied for the ETF. I'm in the quiet period, so I can't really say more than that. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens. If we can get the ETF approved, we'll move our, our private fund into the ETF, and I think we've gotten our clients a head start in what I think will be a revolution. It's an evolution, but it's also a revolution and a transformation of what's going to be happening in the world of finance. For sure. So what tools does Skybridge use to de-risk portfolios? Or well, approaches? A good, well, you know, listen, it's a good question. You know, I, I, I would say this to you, uh, if you're asking about the Bitcoin specific fund, I would say that we're long Bitcoin. And that's, um, that's our, we're, we're making a 15 year bet on Bitcoin. So I don't necessarily want to de-risk it. If anything, I have taken the position and I've said this to many people that volatility may not in fact be a measurement of risk but it may be the rocket fuel that leads to great asymmetric appreciation. And so I've taken the position that I, I wanna leave my Bitcoin exposure unhedged uh, uh, because I think it's less risky to do it that way. And I don't look at the day-to-day -day price movements. If anything, uh, I was buying Bitcoin yesterday for myself personally uh, because it's down about 35% from its peak if it drops another 20 or 30%, which is not impossible, I would probably add more, uh, not probably, I would say more definitively that I would add more. And so for me, uh, the Bitcoin exposure uh, is unhedged. I'm not quote unquote mitigating risk. Uh, I would say, how am I mitigating risk on my larger fund, my flagship fund, my 
our $9 billion of assets, it's by adding Bitcoin. Uh, because I believe that Bitcoin will be part of the future. It'll eventually be the way managers are measured. It'll be part of some index. Uh, someone will say, well, how did your stock bond commodity portfolio do? Oh, by the way, what about your digital asset exposure? How did that do on a relative basis? And so I sort of feel like if you're not invested in Bitcoin, you're effectively short it and it will come with its own complications if we're right about that as this asset class continues to emerge and evolve and get adopted. Gotcha. Let's go back to that comment you, you made at the very beginning about Elon's tweets. What would you say to those who are reluctant to invest in Bitcoin or thinking of getting out after his tweets regarding the environmental effects? Well, we can have a huge debate about the environmental effects. Um, Bitcoin right now, from a carbon emissions perspective, is 0.13% of the world's global carbon emissions. So I don't think it's a quote unquote disaster for the economy. Moreover, on the mining side, 40 plus percent of the energy used for mining is coming from renewables, non-carbon emitting renewable forms of energy. So we can debate it. Yes, I get the fact that because it's a proof of work concept that there will be lots of computer uh, electricity expended on the computational aspects of the blockchain. But the flip side is think about the people that have to drive to the bank uh, and the lights and the heat and the, everything that goes on inside of a bank branch, multiply that by the tens of thousands of bank branches all over the United States, if not the world, if we're right that Bitcoin and other digital assets start to disintermediate and take out the third party equation, then the net effect of Bitcoin will be quite green because you'll be eliminating a lot of bricks and mortar. You'll be eliminating a lot of cars that have to drive to those destinations to get their money or to do transactions. And for me, um, I would want to take the long-term view. I understand the Bitcoin critics out there. I know that there's, you know, sort of fuddy-duddies. There's, you know, the word FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but there's a lot of fuddy-duddies, you know, older people, 97-year-old uh, grandfathers and so forth that don't like Bitcoin and they think it's uh, worthless and a Ponzi scheme and all of this other stuff. But the truth of the matter is Bitcoin meets all of the qualifications that you would want in terms of money. It's a trusted network has a universality of acceptance now with 100 plus million view, you know, users. Uh, because of its scarcity, it being only 21 million or so coins, and I say or so because many of these coins have been lost. Uh, you probably have 18 or 19 million coins left since Bitcoin's inception. So this scarcity, if you will, I think will create stability long term. Once the volatility ends and there's more saturation and adoption you know, Bitcoin will actually be quite stable and it will be a store of value for people and it'll be quite predictable and it won't be subjected to the whims of policymakers or politicians. And so for all of these long-term reasons, um, we're excited about Bitcoin. Uh, I do recognize that there are people that are not and people that are concerned about the environment and all these other different things. There's also a lot of FOMO out there. We talked about FUD. There's also a lot of fear of missing out. And, you know, some people are upset that, you know, people are making money uh, while others are not. So 
me, I've told my clients, you got to get long some of this if you want my professional opinion. Is it a half a percent? Is it 3%? It's some exposure so that you can protect yourself and your family long-term as these assets start to get integrated into the economy. Yeah. And of course, you've been you know, in the space since the last uh, cycle. How do you think the latest chatter could affect crypto markets long-term? Or do you think that's just going to be way in the rearview mirror? I do. I do. I do think it'll be way in the rearview mirror. I think you have to take a step back and look at these charts over the long term, not just the near term price correction. Um, you know, I'm a pretty experienced person, have a lot of experience in technical analysis, 33 years on Wall Street. A lot of what we've seen recently is likely new holders of Bitcoin, people that saw the price appreciation, got excited, jumped in, pushed the price higher. Now there's some news that's creating more uncertainty. They've rushed for the exits. But the Bitcoiners, the long-term bulls on Bitcoin, the hodlers, the people that are willing to hold this come hell or high water, I think they're still there. And if anything, they've been nibbling at these levels. And I would tell people to follow the news uh, more than follow the short-term volatility. And so the news is quite good, you know, whether it's JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, um, a whole host of financial institutions that are now willing to think about accepting Bitcoin or putting Bitcoin on their platform and so forth. Uh, insurance companies that have agreed to buy it and hold it on their balance sheets, corporations that have agreed to buy it and hold it as a replacement to cash on their balance sheets. I think all of that stuff, if you just look at the litany of news that's come out over the last six months, is very, very positive. And so I would tell people, irrespective of the short-term volatility, look at the long-term fundamentals of the news. And I think you'll be very happy directionally in terms of where the supply demand imbalance is gonna be. There's a lot more demand for Bitcoin in our opinion than the supply out there. And that should put, push prices higher. Well said. Sometimes you just have to cut through all the noise and get back to the fundamentals and what's actually happening uh, under the surface. Yes. So how do you think things will progress? You mentioned Fortune 500 companies are starting to add uh, Bitcoin on their balance sheets, favoring that over uh, cash. Where do you see that trend going here in the near term, medium term future? So it's a really good question. I, I, I think that there will be companies like MicroStrategies and others that will add Bitcoin to their balance sheets. Uh, has Facebook done that? I don't know. If you look at the tweets coming from Mark Zuckerberg, they're somewhat cryptic, but he's named his two goats, Bitcoin and Max or something like that. It, he may have it already on his balance sheet. Elon Musk has indicated, despite his rhetoric around not accepting the payments anymore, he's indicated that he hasn't sold his Bitcoin exposure at Tesla, um, even though he's been railing on Bitcoin. So we'll have to see. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't think the universe of Bitcoin is going to be overly subjected to any one person over long periods of time. I think uh, Elon Musk's uh, commentary and the associated volatility related to that commentary is just a sign to me of how early we are. We have less than 2% of the world adopting Bitcoin right now. Uh, but just imagine as we get the three, four, five, six, ten 10% of the world where these coins could be trading. And of course, that's moving exponentially. And so I, I, I'm, I'm heartened by that. 
But, you know, so it may be corporations, maybe Fortune 500 companies will add, but I certainly know that there'll be large scale institutions and pension funds and insurance agencies and union pension fund plan holders and so forth that I believe will own Bitcoin uh, over time. And I think there's a reason for it. I think it will present itself fundamentally as an inflation hedge. And what we're watching happen with the proliferation of fiat currency, and I'll just give you the, some statistics to think about, 469 billion dollars. Let me just say the number again, because this is a staggering number. 469 billion dollars has been created by the Fed in the first five months of 2021. If you go over the last year, we have about 35% more dollars in circulation this year than we did last year. That's all through the electronic printing of money, if you will, or the electronic creation of money. And if you're listening to this, I've got bad news for you, particularly if you're an American citizen or someone that holds dollars, you've been silently taxed by your government. Yeah, they're not calling for higher corporate taxes or higher income taxes, or maybe they are, but they haven't implemented them yet. But you have been taxed in the silent taxation of money printing, because if you go to your bank account and you have $10,000 in it, and there's 40% or 35% more dollars circulating, well, your purchasing power has been diminished by that overall volume. And you can see it in food prices, lumber prices. You can see it in asset prices around the world, collectibles, real estate, et cetera. And so the money... Remember, for money to really work fundamentally, it has to be a store of value. But if the government's printing more of that denomination, well, it's weakening your purchasing power. And I think Bitcoin will represent to many people a stable, unfettered, decentralized store of value over time. Uh, and so as it gets adopted, of course, there'll be volatility associated with it. Look at Facebook, its initial public offering, Google, uh, Amazon, all traded off on their initial public offerings, all had tremendous volatility as they scale to where they are today. Hmm. And I hear that you're going to be a speaker in person at the BTC event in Miami. Care to share what attendees can expect? Yeah, well, listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm in the process of writing a book. Uh, the working title of the book right now is How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Bitcoin, sort of a takeoff on the How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. And, uh, you know, it is basically my personal odyssey to Bitcoin, uh, starting out as a skeptic, then understanding the network better, understanding actually the protocols and what was going on and then becoming an adopter and an investor. And so I, what I tell people is I'm not a Bitcoin evangelist. Um, I'm a Bitcoin believer as an investor in its fundamentals. I don't believe that Jesus and Moses got together and had a baby and the baby's Bitcoin. That's not me. Um, but I do see the future, including cryptocurrencies. And so I want, I want my clients to have exposure. And I think my message to people will be, uh, we're about to see the dawn of investor appetite at the institutional level. And I'm gonna to explain to people why it looks that way and what they can expect. And then of course, I'm gonna take questions, Jonathan, like the ones you're, you're giving me, you know, hopefully I can handle the questions. Awesome, well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And it's really amazing how much crypto values have risen here this year. Now that the uncertainty around COVID is lessening, obviously Florida is in 
full swing. Do you have a prediction for the Bitcoin price by the end of the year? Well, I, I, I said a, a month or two back when it was at these levels, call it in the low 40s, that it would reach 100,000 by the end of the year. It shot up to 64,000. So I was like, whoa, it, it looks like it's getting there more quickly than I would have expected. But I'm going to maintain that prediction. I think it'll be 100,000 because I'm just looking at the exponential growth of wallets and Bitcoin users and Bitcoin owners. And it makes me think that uh, uh, there's nowhere for that price to go long term other than up because of the supply demand and balance associated with it. So, so that's, that's what I think. Still staying awesome. with 100,000. Perfect. So what are your thoughts about Bitcoin and Ethereum versus the thousands of other altcoins out there? Well, I'm certainly no expert on the altcoins, so I'm probably a bad person to be asking about altcoins. Uh, what I would say with Bitcoin and Ethereum is to me, they both reached escape velocity uh, because of the contract-based protocols associated with Ethereum. Some are suggesting that there may be a currency or a coin that will leapfrog that protocol. I tell people, step back, think of it cleanly and simply. In a crypt the crypto asset space is breaking down into two or three different things. It's a store value, potential for a currency where we'll use it to transact in goods and services and exchanging for bartering. Or the third thing is it actually has a service tied to a contract. And so in Ethereum's case, it definitely has that third thing rock solid. I'm just wondering if there'll be another technological equivalent that could potentially be a faster solution or a better solution. I don't know. Uh, so I'm not willing to say that it won't be here. Uh, but I am saying that, you know, there's a more open question on Ethereum for me than Bitcoin itself. I think Bitcoin is sort of the, uh, the apex predator. Uh, it's been around for 12 years. It's sort of eaten the lunch of all these other coins that you're referencing. Uh, and it's been assaulted and people have tried to knock it from its mantle uh, and it's been unsuccessful. Now, is it a perfectly designed currency? Certainly not. No, no such thing is. But I do think Bitcoin is here to stay. It's older. It's got fundamentals. Even if you're a naysayer and you're a cynic, there's a collectability factor to Bitcoin as well uh, because of its scarcity. So, so those are my thoughts there. Is Skybridge researching NFTs, also known as non-fungible tokens, or planning to make any long-term moves in this space? Well, the short answer is yes, we are researching it. Uh, the second part of that question, I'm uncertain to. I would say that I'm certainly open to it. Uh, but the way it took us a couple of years to get into Bitcoin, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably have to spend more time on the NFT space to make a decision directionally where we'll want to go. Ultimately, though, if you believe in NFTs, everything will be tokenized. So you and I will potentially, if we want to, we'll end up owning a sliver of a Picasso uh, in a token, you know, and uh, we'll be able to catch the upside or downside of that as a result of it. We may even tokenize stocks. Um, at the end of the day, I want you to think about it this way. Uh, it's probably too science fiction for most people, but what is the whole world when you really think about it? It's a, it's a collection of data. You know, you and I 
human beings, of course, uh, got all of our strengths and weaknesses and our emotions, but we have a receptacle of data. Uh, these phones that we're carrying around, the uh, computers that we're carrying around are receptacles of data. And ultimately what a non-fungible token is allowing you to do is to trade that data, to actually clip it, own it, and be able to trade it. And so they're, they're gonna be here. This is a wave of the future and SkyBridge needs to understand it better. And you know we'll likely scale into it. I just wanna reserve uh, myself because we have to have a process. Uh, this is not wildcatting for us or exploratory drilling. This is uh, long-term thinking about going where we think the future is and then making a propitious allocation. We don't have to be overly allocated, but I certainly don't want my investors to miss the opportunity either. Makes sense. What do you think will happen to the market if Congress starts passing bills that regulate crypto exchanges specifically? Well, it'll be unfortunate for the United States. So all that will mean is that the smarter, uh, more forward thinking and futurist governments will be the home of the crypto industry. And so the United States will be sitting here scratching its head 20 years from now saying, well, why, why did we do that? We could have been the leader of crypto globally. We're 25-ish percent of the world's economy. We have great laws here, great intellectual property, great design around our legal system, we could literally be the engine for this great new industry that's growing. If we decide not to do that, I think we'd be cutting our nose off to spite our face. So I would be disappointed to have that happen. Uh, but if they decide to go in that direction, that just means we'll be moving this stuff offshore. There'll still be a very active and viral marketplace. I just think it'd be unfortunate for the U.S. citizens and U.S. jobs support, all that other stuff to miss out due to bad governmental policy. Gotcha. And uh, I know I'm being a little forward on this question in an indirect way, uh, so feel free to answer however you'd like. Uh, but where do you think we're at on the timeline for a crypto ETF? Yeah, it's hard for me to answer that because I'm in the quiet period. I'm just going to say what's out there generally is that people are hopeful that the answer will come by year end. Uh, I don't know if that's the case or not. Uh, I do. I will say this as a generic comment, as people that are your age become in power in these regulatory agencies, it will happen faster. Think of what happened to cannabis over the last 25 years. You know, there was a decision. Uh, when I was a kid, no cannabis. Cannabis is illegal. You can go to jail for it. And now today, we're more or less legalizing it everywhere. That, that's a great analogy to, uh, to point to. We're definitely seeing a lot of change in a lot of different areas. We're seeing shifts in just about every direction. Uh, but the crypto space is very exciting. Obviously, it's, it's attracted your attention, the majority of your attention, and you know, many other very smart people in the financial space and your background you know, in Washington makes it even more intriguing. So thank you so much for joining us today with our listeners to uh, share your insights. This has been a yeah. lot of fun and uh, we really appreciate you being on the show. Well, I just wanna point out, Jonathan, as a communications director, you're doing a great job and you've lasted way longer than 11 days. So I'm wishing you many Scaramucci's of success, which Scaramucci's are defined by 11 day time periods and I'm wishing you tons of those. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it.
This audio interview is an original broadcast provided by Cryptocurrency Wire. Cryptocurrency Wire, CCW, is a crypto wire news and content distribution syndicate that provides access to a syndicate of wire services via InvestorWire to reach all target markets, industries, and demographics in the most effective manner possible. Cryptocurrency Wire is another brand under the Investor Brand Network. Investor Brand Network may receive payments for corporate communication relations, as well as various press releases and social media solutions provided to its clients. You should assume that officers and directors of Investor Brand Network or financial analysts mentioned hold a position in and may intend to trade the securities for their own accounts. This interview is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be, or should it be construed, as investment advice. As in all investments, investment in the featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with the registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This audio interview by Investor Brand Network is not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from featured company and other sources, but not verified nor guaranteed by Investor Brand Network as to completeness and accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. Please see our full disclaimers and disclosures at InvestorBrandNetwork.com.